Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. Welcome to you, and thank you for joining me today. We're going to continue in our Beauty of Grace series in this lesson, and we're going to look at Lesson 18, which I've titled, The Class of Grace. We've been talking about after someone is saved and brought into this beautiful covenant of grace and can now call out to God as Abba Father because they have answered the charge of grace, believed in Jesus who paid the cost of grace, and all of those things that we've discussed in prior messages. We now have been talking about the competence of grace that it can do the job needed for the rest of our time until we see Jesus again and are living with him forever. Whatever needs to be done, God's grace is sufficient to do it. And we've looked at the conquest of grace, how it has brought about victories for us. There's a change in us that happens because the old person is dead and we're living a brand new life now. We're a brand new creation. We looked at how the Holy Spirit is our compass or our GPS to map out our life in victory. We talked about in the last episode the control of grace, how being under the influence of the Holy Spirit brings us to a life of freedom, no longer slaves to sin, but rather yielding to the Holy Spirit's control and living according to that. So today we carry it one step further by examining the class of grace. How and what does the Holy Spirit teach us and help us with now that we are under grace, under his influence, under his control? It is not to live sinful lives, but rather to have a free and victorious lifestyle. So how do we learn that? How do we walk in it? We do it through the teachings that the Holy Spirit brings to us. In other words, we become students in the classroom of grace, taught by the Holy Spirit as our teacher. In John chapter 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is speaking quite a bit about this Holy Spirit promised by the Father that the Father would send, this other comforter that would be like Jesus but would come and live within us. And he says this, in John chapter 14, verse 26, he says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So he's going to teach us all things. Truth. He is the Spirit of truth, Jesus has told us in these chapters as well. And so everything in the classroom of grace, everything for every student in God's class of grace is all about truth. In whatever area of life it applies to, it's truth. And he brings back to our minds the words of Jesus, the words of the scriptures. Why? Because Jesus has already told us in John chapter 8, verse 30 through 32, that it is the truth that makes us free. We continue in Jesus' words, in the word of God, and we know the truth, and then the truth does the work of setting us free. 
It's a step of progression. First of all, we must believe and be born again. We spoke about that in great detail in the earlier episodes of this grace series. And then we choose to continue in God's Word, getting rooted in the Word of God, which is the words of Jesus. The Word of God is all about Jesus. It's one book with one author and one central figure, and that is Jesus Christ. His words are in there. His teachings are in there. His lifestyle is in there. And the prophetic words about him are also in there. Everything in the scriptures is about Yeshua, the Messiah. So we continue in God's word. And by doing so, by reading and studying and remembering, memorizing, thinking upon the scriptures, we know the truth intimately, personally, and within our own experience. And it's the truth that then sets us free. Jesus said in verse 36 of John chapter 8, that whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. They can remain free and never go back into that old lifestyle or practice of sin again, because there's no longer the power of sin over them. They can't be enslaved into sin again unless they choose to. They offer themselves slaves of sin instead of offering themselves to the Lord himself. We looked at that in Romans chapter 6 in a couple of the last episodes. So when the Son sets someone free, they can be free indeed. They can remain free and never go back under the bondage of that old lifestyle. Now, they are always going to be tempted, but they don't have to be enslaved again. That person can now choose. You can now choose if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You had no choice before. Sin was your master. You were enslaved in it. But Jesus broke that power of sin off of you. That was part of that conquest of grace. And you now have the power to choose. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, born again of the Spirit of the living God, you can be tempted and you will be, but you don't have to be enslaved. You now have the power to choose. So in the class of grace, we learn the truth, and it is the truth that sets us free because of the power of the scriptures, the power that is innate within it, the truth and the dynamite power to do the work, the competence of grace. The scriptures themselves are competent to do the work. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, and he says this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man or the person of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the point here is that all scripture contains the truth, and all scripture is inspired by God, written by him through the Holy Spirit's inspiration, and is profitable 
It is what teaches us and helps us. Think about it like this. When you start school in kindergarten or first grade, you have to learn the alphabet. You have to learn all the letters, all the numbers. And then you begin, little by little, to put those letters together into small words. And you might learn cat, bat, ball, fall, words like that to begin with. Very easy, very simple words. But then guess what? The next grade, you start to learn more. You begin to read. You begin to learn how to put sentences together. You begin to learn how to put those words together to say what you mean in that sentence. You begin to learn to take those numbers you learn and then put them together and add them, subtract them, etc. And every class you're learning more and more and more and growing and maturing more and more and more. But every bit of it is beneficial to you because it's all preparing you for maturity. It's preparing you for lifestyle where you can then choose how you use that knowledge, what kind of career you want to pursue, what kind of living, livelihood you want to make for your family, etc. So all of this is profitable. It's the same way with the Word of God. Learning the Word of God benefits us. Paul writes Timothy, and he mentions these four specific ways in this passage. He says it's profitable for doctrine, in other words, to teach us the truth that will then turn around and set us free in any area of life. The Bible, did you know, will teach you the truth about your finances, about marriage, about children and how to raise your children, to know Jesus, to love him. It teaches you how to prepare for your future financially, how to prepare and how to choose good jobs and work that will be profitable to you. It may not say, take this job with X company, but it will teach you principles upon which you can then make wise choices. So it's good for doctrine to teach us in any area of our life the things we need to know to live a productive, blessed, and happy life. It's good for reproof telling us and correcting us and convicting us when we get off the path, when we've done wrong, reproving us. God is a loving Father, and He will chasten us when we need it. He will correct us. He will reprove us and lead us back to Him. And then it says it's good for correction, very closely tied with reproof. Reproof would be more of the conviction Realize that, oh, I'm on the wrong path here. I somehow got off track here. And so the scriptures will tell us, okay, you're off track. This is how you did it. Now, here's how you need to get back on the right track again. Let me correct you. So it will correct us. The scriptures will do that. And then the scriptures will instruct us in righteousness. In other words, it'll not only teach us the right way and path of living, so we can enjoy God's best, but also, okay, this is how you stay on the right path so you don't get back into trouble again and you don't wind up on a detour somewhere. It will teach us how to have that abundant life that Jesus spoke about that he wants us to have. 
The grace of God also teaches us, and Paul writes in another book about what he teaches us there. And this is very important to understand, especially in an age when we live in that so many people abuse God's beautiful grace and think it's just some license to sin any way you want to and live any way you want to. You cannot support that with the word of God. Paul writes to young Titus, and he says to Titus in Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, he writes these words. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. This is the same grace we've been talking about in all of these episodes. It's the beautiful, amazing grace of God that is powerful and competent and brings salvation to all who will answer its invitation and respond and believe in Jesus Christ. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So this passage where Paul is instructing Titus tells us exactly what the class of grace teaches us also. It teaches us the word of God. And through that, it is teaching us to deny ungodliness. In other words, reject, disown, renounce, and refuse a life of ungodliness, those things that are irreverent or wicked. It's talking about a lack of reverence to God. And he says to also deny worldly lust, refuse, renounce, reject worldly lust, those things that are carnal and corrupt, those longings, desires, or appetites, especially for what is forbidden or for what is wrong. But instead, the grace of God is teaching us, don't go after that stuff, deny that stuff, reject every bit of that. But instead, live soberly, live of a sound mind, temperately and righteously, rightly doing what is right, doing what is just, and to live godly with reverence and piety that would please the Lord, a lifestyle that will please him, that will honor him, and that will reflect him. When and where does Paul say this grace teaches us this? He says that it's teaching us how to live by denying these ungodly things, denying the wrong things, and living soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. In other words, now, right now, in this age, if you are breathing and you have a heartbeat, he's talking about right now, while you're still alive on this earth in this time, whatever time you are in, whatever historical age you are in, it speaks to every one of us who are alive today. 
He says that we should be expecting and awaiting our Lord's return, which he calls our blessed hope, that blessed expectation and anticipation of our Lord's coming back. I don't know about you, but I'm getting more excited every day because we're drawing closer and closer and closer to that day. And it is our blessed hope because when the Lord returns for us, we will be resurrected in our new body. We will be with him forever, never to be parted again. And we will have a brand new life. This is our blessed hope that we are looking forward to. Notice Paul's reasoning here. Jesus gave himself for us for this very purpose, to redeem us, to buy us out of that slave market of sin, redeeming us from sin's power and from every lawless deed, and to purify us as his bride, making us his. We're no longer a slave, but now, oh, notice this, friend. We become a bride for the king. We have now moved from a slave position into a tender, loving position of relationship. We become the bride of Jesus Christ. And notice this, he talks about being zealous for good works, burning with zeal. In that day, there were zealots that lived there. Many believe that Judas Iscariot may have been a zealot, and there may have been others that were associated with Jesus that had been zealots. But a zealot was one that was burning with that zeal for what their cause was, what they believed in. They were eager and ardent, eagerly desiring something. And Paul says here we should be zealous for good works, living a lifestyle of victory and pleasing the Lord with what we can serve him with and what we can offer to him. And I want us to discuss that more in the next episode of this Beauty of Grace series. I thank you for listening. I pray that this has been a blessing to you today. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of our Grace series. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.